it's going to be hard to show the love of God to someone if I'm not surrendered to God. It's going to be hard to love on people in a godly way if I'm not surrendered to God and doing the things that he's asking me to do. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me on the show today, I have a returning guest. I have the host of the Love Offering podcast and the author of A Little Goes a Long Way, Rachel Adams. Welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me again, Eric. It's a joy to be with you again. We will have you back again. Even when this is over, <laughs> this won't be the last time. Well, you're a great host, you're fun to be with. It, yeah. This is honestly, you are always just so kind and easy to talk to, and I'm just happy to be your guest again. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being on the on the show again. For anyone who hasn't heard, please go back and check out the previous episode with Rachel. Please check out her podcast as well, and definitely get a copy of her book. So for anyone who didn't get a chance to hear the previous episode, is there anything you want to share about yourself or anything that you're working on right now? Uh, well, we we talked about my book, A Little Goes a Long Way last time, and just how God thinks that we're inherently significant apart from what we do, but how everything that we do is important, every single amount of work that we do. And so that's kind of was the gist of our conversation last time. But I'm just a small town Kentucky girl, a, a wife to my husband, Brian, for 18 years, um, a mom of two children. They just went back to school. Um, they are, Will is in eighth grade this year and Kate is in seventh grade. And they're both just busy in extracurricular activities. And uh, we had a great summer together. And so now just I'm just kind of trying to get back into my routine, trying to take care of myself physically and get healthy again and get into the podcasting routine again and writing again and talking to my friends again online like you. And so, yeah, just life is good. And we're in a good place as a family and in my faith and in my health and all of the things. So I, I count counting my blessings today for sure. Man, there you go. Well, thank you for, again, for uh, taking time out to to join us again today. And I think what I really want to talk about with you, because your book talks about a little goes a long way, but I want to talk about how love can go a long way. So we've probably got like a bunch of scriptures that we're going to go over during this podcast. So this is going to be a podcast, probably slash Bible study. <laughs> so if anyone is anyone in the audience who's listening right now, we are going to start by talking about in our arching theme, this is going to be the greatest commandment. Something that, that Jesus was very clear about as far as loving God and then loving our neighbors. So let's go ahead and just read that if you would not mind. We'll just dive right in this episode. So, yeah, the for those that aren't familiar with it, it is in the Gospels. And this is Jesus talking in the New Testament when Jesus came. And it's the religious leaders that are questioning Jesus about which is the greatest commandment. And in the Old Testament, there were all these rules, like all these things that everybody had to do. And um, people couldn't do them all. And so basically, this is him saying, okay, I know you can't do it. Here's, here is, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of dumb it down to this is the main thing that you all need to do. And so it, it starts in Matthew 22, verse 34. It reads this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with the question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I just want to make a note that if you kind of look in the, the to the side of your Bible, some of these refer back to like Deuteronomy 6, 5 and Leviticus 19, 18, back to the Old Testament. So he is referring back to Old Testament laws, like to love your neighbor as yourself. Like the, he's referring back to something that God told the Israelites a long time ago as well. So whether you're looking at this as even just the 10 commandments, right? Or you're looking at 613 commandments, Jesus is pretty clear about where to hang our hats because in this, and depending on what version of the Bible you're reading this in, it might say lawyer or it could say scribe, but these religious leaders, and you see this throughout the gospel, they're always attacking Jesus. They're always trying to discredit him. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to really just damage his ministry. So this, in whether it says lawyer or scribe in yours, this expert in the law, like we said, there's all kinds of commandments, but those scribes, those lawyers, their job was to write down and record and understand the law, but then they were also charged with interpreting and explaining it to, to people. So he's asking Jesus, what is the greatest? And he wasn't going to respond with, <laughs> he wasn't asking out of, a, out, of a, out of a pure motive. He wasn't asking for the right reason. And I'm one of those people, and I talk about this to folks a lot when I'm teaching, revelation comes from asking questions, asking the right questions with the right motives and the right reasoning. What I love, though, is Jesus completely rejected the premise of this man's question. He asked for one, he asked for what was the greatest, and he gave him two. Love God, love others. You don't get to pick one, it's both. You can't just pick and choose which part of the gospel once you give especially once you give your life to christ that's really what we're talking about here you can't just pick and choose which parts of scripture or doctrine you want to follow it's all encompassing but he said if you love god with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your understanding and then love people everything else can flow from that and that's a good starting point for christians of how we can live out our faith yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And something that I would like to point out is like this love in the original language is agape love. And that agape in that original language, like there's different kinds of love. Like there's a phileo love that's a friendship love. And there's like a romantic eros love. But this kind of love that they're referring to is agape. That's like an uh, that's an unconditional godly love that can only happen as a result of having a relationship with God. Like that's something that can't happen outside of the Holy Spirit's work in, inside of us. And I think that is something that we have to be mindful of as well. This cannot happen apart from the Lord. We cannot do any of this apart from him. And we've seen this throughout Jesus' ministry, real love sacrifices. And it's, I think that a lot of time, and we all love things like whether it's movies, TV shows, whatever it is, working out what we love, lots of things, but this is why sometimes, and I, in society, I think a lot of times I see love gets related to tolerance. I love you until we disagree. I love you until we vote differently. I love you until you do something I don't like. I love you until you sin differently than me. Well, that's not what this is. Christ died for everybody. That love was sacrificial. It covered everything. His death is forever. Jesus is available 
to everyone. So this type of love is not just what I can get out of it. This isn't just, this is meant, what can I do to show this love sacrificially for someone else? How can I give myself and just die to myself daily to love my neighbor? So it's not just what I can get out of this. It is, okay, Jesus saved my soul for a reason. And I know I need to be first surrendered to the Lord, to my father, and then show that love to someone else. Because it's going to be hard to show that if I'm not, it's going to be hard to show the love of God to someone if I'm not surrendered to God. It's going to be hard to love on people in a godly way if I'm not surrendered to God and doing the things that he's asking me to do. Yeah, I I think the key to this for me in, in many ways is we've got to first realize, like there's a verse that says we are to love others as God has first loved us. And so I think for a lot of us is we don't realize how much we are loved by God. And I think that we can't even, we've got to kind of start there. Do we realize how much God loves us? And that's essential. And and going to back to what you said, he sacrificed for us. God created us because he loved us. He sent his son Jesus because he loved us. Right. You know, Jesus died on the cross because he loved us. He sent his Holy Spirit because he loved us. And now he's preparing a place for us in eternity because he loved us. He has continually sacrificed on our behalf. And so that is the kind of love that 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 God has bestowed upon us. And so that's what we have to grasp first. And so when it says, love the Lord God with all of our heart, he wants to be our first love too. He doesn't want us to have a divided heart towards him. And so I think when it says, love the Lord God with all of your heart, that's where it's got to start. And I have to always ask this question when I'm covering this scripture, the cross is the greatest example of of love. So sometimes we want to withhold love from people and we because they don't deserve it or they hurt our feelings or they made us mad. It's like, who am I to make that decision? Who am I to decide that someone does or does someone does not deserve love? Who am I to make that decision? So it is the idea that if, again, this goes back to what we said, he died for all. So what does it look like to give that love to another. And to your point, when you go back to Deuteronomy, love your God, that's personal. Do I love my God? Is he literally the God of my life? It's easy to to love the Jesus that died on the cross. Okay. But is he the Lord of my life? Is he literally ruling me day in and, and day out? Am I carrying that cross day in and day out? Am I dying to self day in and day out? So it's, it goes back to that. Is he, where is God positioned in my life? Cause that's where he started. He started first with loving God. So it all starts from there. So if I'm not loving him, right, I'm going to have a hard time loving other people. Right. Well, and I think you're right. And I, I wanted to circle back to this. We have lost in our society, what love really is because we toss the word around. So flippantly, I love coffee. I love shopping. I love traveling. <laughs> I love, well, I'm saying all the things I love. <laughs> no, Sorry, those, I love my husband. Good, I love my kids. <laughs> I love my dogs. But then like, I love God. There's something so much uh, greater and, and different than that. And you're right. And how often do we 
withhold love when God has loved us so unconditionally. And I think that we have lost what that unconditional love is because we haven't gotten a sense of on in in this earth what unconditional love really is. How often we've been hurt by people who have loved us so conditionally. And so we get at such a different, I mean, this, the Bible, what I keep pointing to it, it's, this is God's love letter to us. I mean, he has shown his love to us all throughout scripture and continues to show his love to us on a daily basis, minute by minute, hour by hour, and such in such a close, personal way to each and every one of us. And someone's going to have to tell me where crucifixion and conditional love go hand in the gospel. They don't. You're going to have to show me where crucifixion and comfort zone is. Where is crucifixion and convenience? Now, that's the base. That is the greatest example of love when I'm thinking that you literally sent your son to die for people who are going to reject him. That love is unconditional. I already, there's no way God doesn't know. (laughs) He he knows. He knew we were going to be sitting here today. He sent his son to die, whether we accepted Jesus or we're not going to accept Jesus. That is unconditional love. Well, so. And to your point, sacrificial. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something too, that is such a challenge and so convicting to me because we as human beings are so selfish and so self-centered. And so we want our comfort and we don't want to sacrifice for other people and to lay our life down for our friends or to even love our enemies. You're just talking about that. He died for his enemies and he died for the people that rejected him, just like he died for Well, even the disciples, actually, even we talk about Judas betrayed him, but even his disciples, they rejected him for momentarily too. think about Peter. He turned his back and rejected Jesus for a while, too. Three times he said he disowned Jesus and that and Jesus died for him, too. And so I think there's some real beauty and and Jesus tells us to love our enemies too. There's so much depth to this power to love. And we, again, we can't do it without him, but he calls us to not just love him, but to love our neighbors, which I know we'll get into as well. And I, I always break this down of looking and living upward. When we talk about the first part of this, of just of, of keeping God first, of just let's look and live upward because that's the foundation. And then looking inward, which I'm going to, I'm going to have you open up to Galatians 2, 19 through 21, just to put some context this before I share my thought here. So, and just so, so I'm reading out of the NIV and I believe Eric, you said you're in the ESV. So that's yeah. when we talk about, we've got yeah. a little bit differing language. That's what we're referring to. So you said Galatians 2, 19. Through 21. Yep. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. One of the ways that I look inward is I look at the lens of the cross and we briefly touched on this, but do, and I always say, when I look inward one, how much do I really 
love myself. And I don't mean that in a sense of not the way they described it in Second Timothy, where it says at the end of times, there will be they'll be lovers of selves. They're loving themselves apart from God. I'm not referring to that. I'm saying loving myself in view through the lens of the cross, that I am a broken and flawed individual and God sent his son to die for me. And he did that to the point of obedience, sacrificial love. He did it with, and he did it unconditionally. I'm going to make sure that I extend that to anybody I come in contact with. Because we, you hear this a lot that I may be the only Christ figure that someone sees that day. Well, I'm going to put on love in that moment. I'm going to make sure that if I'm the only Christ figure that someone sees that day, that they get a good version and image of Jesus. That when they walk away, they're like, wow, something's different there. And you hope that you either planted a seed, you watered a seed, and you hope when it's harvest time, their their names are at the book of life and they love the Lord and they're they're and all hell, heaven is celebrating. You. I try to look at how am I genuinely living out the work on the cross and the resurrection of those people around me? Am I really showing them that unconditional love of Jesus? And for people, that's going to look different. That may be making a meal for someone. That could be putting your arm around someone who just lost uh, a loved one. That could be giving somebody a, a ride to work. It could be doing something for someone who you know they definitely cannot do that for you in return and not looking to have any kind of a return. What does that look like? Looking inwardly, how am I living out the work of the cross and the work of the resurrection? Yeah. Well, two main thoughts come to my mind when you say that. As I'm thinking about love your neighbor as yourself, I think how many of us, because I agree, we should not have a self-love. But as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking how many people don't even not only don't do they not love themselves they don't even like themselves when they look into the mirror there is a loathing a self-loathing whether there's been something done to them or something that they have then done themselves some sort of sin that they've committed whether even just the way that they look or a personality trait or a talent people do not that you're comparing to other people envious of other people we almost don't we we've almost like there can be some people that really love themselves and get overinflated with pride. But then there's another group of people that are just so insecure and just so deep in self-loathing that we just don't even love ourselves at all. And so it's those kind of people that I want to speak to today that like God loves you and delights in you. And he does not want you to feel that way about yourself. He adores you and created you and crafted you with a very specific purpose. And so I think you have to to start there, like love your neighbor as yourself, but you've got to love who he created you to be. God does not make mistakes. And so I really wanted to be mindful just to say that today, whoever's listening, God loves you and he wants you to love who he made you to be. Do you have anything to say on that, Eric? That's actually part of that's So now you're talking about bringing that healing. That would be a part of that. So how can I show love to someone today? Telling them how much God loves them, <laughs> telling them that he's going to, I don't want to just throw a bunch of Bible verses, it's someone's problem or their issue. It's just coming along. How can I come alongside you in this healing process? X, Y, Z happened to you. And that's why you have the image of yourself that you do. Maybe that love is going to be me coming alongside you in a way that you're going to receive it and be a part of your healing journey. Maybe my role is just to pray. Maybe my role is just to fast for you. And I don't mean just because praying fasting, we know how that works. But maybe my role is let's go out to eat. Let's hang out. Let's do, let's have a, 
intentional one-on-one time, two-on-one time, whatever the case might be. But God doesn't make mistakes. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. You are made the way that you are made for a reason. You are put on this earth to do something that no one else can do. That's how valuable you are to God, that he set you apart for work that no one else can do. That no one, And even if they try, they wouldn't be able to do it because he's calling you to do it. You are so uniquely and wonderfully made. That's how special you are to him that he has designed something specifically for you that only you can fulfill. And he's not going to keep that from you. He wants to tell you the plan for your life. And you have one, no matter what you've been told, no matter what you've been through you, the enemy will call us by our sin. God will call us by name. The enemy will call us and tell us about our, our shortcomings. Well, we're, the Bible will tell us we're more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If you look at the way Jesus handled the woman at the well, if you look at the way that he handled, I mean, look at where Matthew was when he met him. He's not, he is not leaving people where he found them because he doesn't want them there. It's, we're going to go from glory to glory. So he is not looking to, hey, remember that time you did this? Remember when you fell short here? No, there's no condemnation. I'm not saying we don't need to repent. I'm not saying that things don't need to change. We're not downplaying that at all. But when those things keep coming up over and over again, that's the enemy trying to tell you that you're this and you're that. And it's like, where does this line up with the word? I talk about Ephesians 4, 20 through 24 a lot, the put off and put on. And I always use the analogy that if someone is telling you something that doesn't line up with what God says about you, you don't have to put that on. You don't have to carry that around. The analogy I use, I'm usually doing a lot of ministry in the gym that I work out at, is I say, if you left the gym and you went home and you got in the shower, you're not getting in the shower with those gym clothes on. If you get in the shower and you get back out, you're not putting those gym clothes back on. You're going to put on something new. You're going to put on something clean. You don't have to put on those old things and those old ways, even when people are trying to remind you of your old self because Jesus has made you into something new. Yeah. And so like, I think when we start to see ourselves in that beautiful way that he's created us, that's how we start to see everybody else too. Like they're created in the image of God too, in his likeness too. And then, so when we start to see ourselves and other people that way, and then so it says in the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then you start to see like our, our neighborhoods have gotten a lot bigger. Your neighbor in, in old times, in the Bible times, it used to be the person that was right next to you. And it still is. It's our children. It's our spouses. It's the person that's right next door in the house next to you. But I almost feel like it's the person at the gym. It's the person at the grocery. It's the person online. Like our neighborhoods are now across the world because we could connect so much easier. So we can love every single person that we come in contact with. And so what does loving that person look like? And it looks like 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I'm going to butcher the rest of them, but everybody can go and read them. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. It's usually read in in marriage ceremonies, but it's so important because we can live that out in every single relationship uh, that we have. But the gist of it is that love never fails. I think your neighbor is anybody you can love or have a Christ-like impact on, to your point. I think it's great that I think the person who lives next door to me, who sees me on a consistent basis, they should know me. I should know something about them. 
I think I don't think that we should be strangers to one another because we live right next door. But I think if I can pull over on the side of the road and help that person change their flat tire because I just see them stuck, that's also my neighbor. If I can go on a missions trip overseas to do some kind of work for Jesus, then that's my neighbor. I think if I can go to a restaurant and pray over a server who's having a rough day, that's my neighbor. I think our neighbor is anyone that we can show the love of Jesus to because the great commission falls on all of us. And it doesn't say the great commission is limited to this space. You do have a sphere of influence. There's no doubt. About, but I think that your neighbor is anyone that I can show the love of Jesus to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love God and love others <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Which I guess will bring me to the final verse that I'm going to throw up here today, <laughs> which is first John three, 15 through 17. So it says anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and see his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? I mean, it, it and before that, I mean, it says God is love. I mean, that's what he is. If there's a description of God, it's that he's love. And like you, you've said several times, it's like, he he has sacrificed and he has given everything for us. And so how could we not give everything that we are for, for him? And then, but that's the way that people will know we are disciples of his is by our love. And if we love one another, that's what it says, that we're going to be known by our fruit and our fruit is love. And that's how people are going to get to know about him is, is by our love. I mean, that, that that's how we're going to lead people to Christ is it's going to be evident in the way that we treat them. And then that's how we're going to point other people to Christ. You can't say you love God and not love people. You can't say you love God and not love your neighbor. You can't say you love God and not love what God loves. That's a problem. (laughs) That is a foundational problem. And how do you love a God? How do you love a God that you haven't seen if you don't love your neighbors who you do see? Mm -hmm. And I think that's worth asking the question. I see my neighbors all the time and I don't love them. But then I say, I love a God I haven't seen. I don't understand that. I, I think that we need to do. I think we as a church can do a much better job of loving one another, showing one another that love in ways that need to be, in ways that can be received by the individual or as the group as a whole or to the community as a whole. Because John would actually call us liars that if we say we love God and we don't love our brothers and sisters, it's not, he would call us liars. <laughs> and he did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I, I want to be, I want to be really honest, mm-hmm. Eric, and I know you do too. And I, doing this is really hard. Mm-hmm. This, what God is calling us to do is impossible in our own strength because we are human, we are selfish. And just being gut level honest, there are some people that are really hard to love, hard. especially people that have hurt us in incredible ways. And so how do we love people who have hurt us really deeply? I mean, I'm I'm sure you've been hurt really deeply. How do you find the strength? And I'm sure people listening right now, it's like, well, okay, it's easy for you, Eric and Rachel to say, oh, just love that person. You don't know what I've been through. 
how do I love that person when they've done this to me? What would you say to them? I actually just was talking to someone about this recently. First step is you need to heal. I mean, you need to figure out what healing is going to look like for you. This is an easy thing to talk about. It's a lot harder to put this into practice, especially because we are human beings and we may have Jesus inside of us. but We also have our flesh that is constantly battling for space with our spirit. So there was someone had literally broke up with someone else. And I was telling the individuals, they asked me, how do I know where my healing process is? Is that counseling? Is that sitting down? With a pastor, what does healing look like for you? And we're covering a gamut of what any kind of issue could be. I'm just throwing out some very some variable suggestions here. But that's the first thing is like, we need to heal. And then we need to make sure we can put on forgiveness because it can't turn into bitterness in the individual. We know that you've been wronged. We're not debating that you've been wronged. But we cannot let that turn in, into bitterness because now the enemy is going to be able to continue to sow seeds inside of you. So first and foremost, we need to heal through Jesus. Let's figure out what that healing process looks like for you. So I actually treat that. It depends on the individual. It depends on what happens. So for me, that's a case-by-case basis. I've given a very wide umbrella and general overview to your question. (laughs) You did a good job because I just sprung that on you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a hard hard question to to answer, but it's something that we all have to figure out. And and it takes prayer. It takes the Holy Spirit work in us. And it takes His strength and daily dying to self. It it, it just does. I feel like I do need to say, forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forgetting and but that forgetting doesn't mean harboring bitterness either if a friend hurt me i may forgive you i may still love you but our friendship may never be the same again it the relationship may never be the same again there's a reason it's called reconciliation (laughs) it it doesn't mean that everything may go back exactly the way it was but we are going to as it rests on me live in peace as it rests on me, I'm going to extend love and peace. But love and peace doesn't mean that we may necessarily be going out to dinner and hanging out all the time again either. I may have to get you yeah. back on and come on some very topical things about healing. I think you just gave me another idea. <laughs> there you go. And I'm going to have to look it up. But in, I think it's Luke 6, verse 35, it talks about loving your enemies. And Jesus actually commands us to try to pray for them, to do good for them, and to bless them. It doesn't say that they still need to be in in your life, but we are we are called to 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 pray for them. And so those are some real things that you can do if you're really struggling right now. If pe- people in your life have have really hurt you, and um, those are some practical things that even Jesus says that you can do today. Even on the cross, he gave them chance at chances of paradise. I say chance there was two men there, so he gave them a chance of paradise. He. When Jesus was going through all of these things, he even said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I think it is Stephen, and I don't, it's either Acts 7 or Acts 17, forgive me, where he even said, don't count their sins against them. We see these things of how we're, we see these constant examples of how we're supposed to treat those who do us wrong. And it is not easy, but I tell you, if someone has done you wrong, don't try to walk that journey out alone. So I guess I wish I would have led with that, but that's the first piece that I would say you need to heal through that, but don't try to walk that out alone because the, the Bible is life. You can read the same scriptures 300 times and get something new every single time. And we're not, again, I'm not trying to throw Bible verses at a problem or a situation. I'm talking about act, taking action steps because we have prayer, but that prayer needs to, that prayer is also going to require legs, also going to require 
action. So maybe that means you coming alongside of, of someone else and just saying, I'm struggling with this, help me to get through this. But I will back up for a second because I say this to, to a lot of people I mentor a lot. If we are praying right and we are in doing community right, I don't always expect people who are broken and hurting to reach out to me and call me because I know that phone feels like a ton of bricks. I think that's an unrealistic expectation that someone is broken and that they are hurting and their life is falling apart. And then you got the person over here saying, well, you should have reached out. No, shame on you for saying that. <laughs> They're hurting. We should be the ones to reach out. We should be the ones to be holding their arms up. We should be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to know that this individual is hurting and just to say, hey, how are you doing today? I think that the person who's looking to take their life, they're not looking to make that phone call to reach out all the time. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So I think that we can do a better job as a church, again, of just getting to know one another before these moments even come up. And it might prevent some of the things you and I are talking about right now. I just was thinking, I, I just spoke at a, it was called a night of agape and it was for middle school and high school age girls. But we went through this exercise where I had them draw a cross and they wrote down all the negative thoughts that they had about themselves. This is kind of circling back to kind of the negative thoughts, loving yourself. But and they wrote down all the negative thoughts that they had about themselves or sins they could had committed or something anybody had said to them. And and then after they had done that exercise, then they took a, a red Sharpie and then they actually and then that symbolized God's blood that covered his love that covered all of those things. And it goes back to what you said at the very beginning. It's his sacrifice. It's his love that has covered everything. And that his sacrifice on the cross, his love for us is what enables us to love anybody else. It's what enables us to even love him. He wants a relationship with all of us, but because of what he's done on our behalf, enables us to do anything on his behalf. And so I just want just to remind everybody of that today that first of all, know how much he loves you and adores you. Lay everything down at his cross, but then let his love that he poured out for you on the cross, let that help spur you on to love everyone else. I think we should do a part two to this to talk about how to love difficult people and love through difficult situations. I think that'd be a good topic. I think that'd be a good topic. Oh, <laughs> we even know how to do that, Eric. I'll talk to you about that off air. That's that's an off air conversation. <laughs> no, but like you said, it's one thing to, to say, I forget, you said it more eloquently than I'm going to, but it's one thing to to know we need to know how to do it, but it's another thing to actually do it. Right. Right. So we'll figure it out. <laughs> part two. Bet between now and part two, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We got time. We got time. I am not praying for any more trials in my life. So that is, we'll figure it out off air. Thank you so much for being back on, on the show. That brings us to the final segment of the show today, which is our let them know segment. So this is the opportunity for you to share Anything additional you would like to share that we did not cover in this episode? So, Rachel, please let them know. Well, what's coming to my mind as I'm kind of just looking at my notes as we were preparing today on just kind of a fun, more of a fun note, because we kind of ended on a heavy note is love, love your friends. 
Like, I think God has given us a community of people and he wants us to live in community and he's given us people to enjoy. And so he celebrated weddings and lots of meals and like there is, a he's given us people to live in relationship with. And so loving others can be, I think, a lot of fun. And he's given people to also love us. And so not only are we going to like go and give and pour out love, but like be willing to receive that love too. Mm, you don't have good. to just pour out until you're empty, but like receive it as well. So I want to just open everybody to to that as well. Be open to receive the love that that God has for you today as well. This this actually is something that happened to me recently is a group of people from my church really helped me during a, a, a rough patch of, of my life. And I had to receive the love that they were offering. And they started reminding me of how long we've actually been doing life together and some of the things that we've been going through together, stuff that I didn't even, but you don't keep track of things you do for people, but receiving that love helped my healing. So there's another nugget for healing is also allowing people to love you and not pushing that away because receiving that love is all can also be a part of that healing process too. Oh, absolutely. I don't know why we feel like we, we should push it away, but sometimes we do like we don't need the help, but we absolutely do. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I definitely have to get you back for part two of this. <laughs> but need to study. Yeah, me too. Me too. But for the sake of this episode, would you mind closing us out in prayer before we get out of here? Absolutely, Father. Thank you for loving us. We just thank you for loving us so sacrificially and for your display of love. Um, on the cross on our behalf, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Help us to love ourselves and like ourselves. Help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, that you delight in us in the way that you created us. Help us to see other people the way that you created them, that help us to love them as you do. And Father, help us to not only just make you our first love, but then to love other people as you have first loved us. Father, we love you and we are just grateful for you. And we hope that our lives glorify you in all that we think, say, and do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Father, I just thank you for just my sister in Christ. Thank you for everything you're doing in her and, and through her. Father, I pray for everyone listening to this podcast, Lord, that they were able to take something away that is just going to help them along their way in their journey. Father, I just thank you for everything that you are doing in each one of our lives. I thank you for the yeses. I thank you for the noes, the open doors and the closed doors, Father. Lord, I pray for everyone listening that you just continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear the direction that you want us to go in. You have our yes. We have surrendered our, our lives to you. Lord, show us even now, ways that we can love people, who to, to love on, Father. Show us how we can be more like you and less like ourselves. We just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being back on the show. And I look forward to having you back on again, because now I see we have to cover a very serious topic. So thank you, sister. I'm looking forward to, to having you back. Me too. Thanks so much, Eric.